it's a space thing now, obviously. And I'll kick the girls out of the uh, out of the cubby house, um, and I've filled the oh. cubby house as well. <laughs> Well, because I needed room to set up the photography area. Uh, this is starting to sound like something from The Simpsons. Get into the shed. Is it now, yeah. is it now not a cubby house, but it's a stubby house? Hey. Uh, that's right. Hey. This is why we keep him. Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryomalt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryomalt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and our proud sponsors of this. And this is Brews News Week. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum. And joining us from our Brisbane studio slash office, it's Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. Morning, Pete. And we have Claire Burnett. Hey, Pete. And I can hear running steps. So I assume we've also got <laughs> Jimmy Gold. Hello, G'day, Jimmy. Pete. Welcome back. Thank you. He was literally running. He was late, mate. He only just yeah. got in the door before we uh, called you. His motto would be, you know, like Forrest Gump, if I was going somewhere, I was running. <laughs> so you do I suppose you, you'd, you'd well, always Pete. make yourself just that little bit late so you'd have an excuse to, to be running. Just keeps up the tempo, you know. Just before we get on with the show, I just wanted to check in with yep. you because you are in lockdown. And I, I actually wanted to ask some uh, advice because, as you know, um, on the weekend, I was out uh, visiting one or two bars and I shared something with you that I thought you might be interested in. Um, and do you want to just give us, a, a, for, for those of us that aren't going through what Victoria is going through, how should we approach that? Because, you know, like, was that an insensitive thing to do to say, hey, I'm out at a pub? No. Okay. No, not at all. No, I'm just, no. Just, just sort of, yeah, no, it's just one of those things that you sort of want to try and understand because, uh, you know, sort of very mindful that uh, you guys don't get the ability to go out at the moment. And, uh, yeah, just making sure that... Oh, was... no, I think it was the fact that you used a movie slash popcorn reference and then showed <laughs> a beer list. And I, I I wasn't sure if you were at the movies or if you were at a popcorn factory or if you were at a Mixed pub. Mixed messages so, there. Yeah, no, well, <laughs> just, yeah. It, it, All of it, the it was a beer that had a little bit of look, um, butter, yeah. movie uh, butter look, I think, Ew. I think for, for Victorians at the moment, it's a, you, you either um, completely immerse yourself in the whole thing um, via social media or you completely keep away from it. So you just kind of um, uh, isolate in isolation a little bit because um, I think either way, we don't want the rest of the country sort of, you know, slowing down or being sensitive or, or changing their ways. It's just you've you got to just go on with what's going on and that's just what's going on down here. And because it was something, you know, I read um, just in my news feed, um, in, in my news news feed, um, something came up talking about, you know, how to talk to Victorians in, in lockdown from other states. I thought, <laughs> oh, geez, I I, I, it, it wasn't something, though. yeah, and I, and I wasn't sure. But then also, uh, as I was driving to work this morning, the ABC News was talking about Beyond Blue has reported uh, Victoria's 90% up on the rest of the country in terms of phone calls. So, you know, it was just... As a podcast that reaches uh, across the country to parts within um, lockdown and parts without, um, yeah, I was just sort of genuinely uh, in, in interested in in how you guys are feeling and uh, you know wh whether this is just the media looking for an angle or whether you know it, it's something that we should be aware of. Yeah, look from our, our point of view, there's nothing strange. Yeah, I spoke to the lovely Pete Walsh at Bodrigy this week um, because it's been a year since. Bodrigy's venue in Abbotsford opened and I was like oh I'm feeling really like bad about it like I don't even like to go to the pub because I feel really bad and he's like no do it just go to the pub enjoy yourself we'll be there soon there's a light at the end of the tunnel you've got like four weeks left or something like that and he was just like he's been trying to keep his staff 
up there on in terms of morale and things like that. Mm. Um, and that's mm. been a really key issue for them. And I'm sure it has for so many businesses in Victoria. Um, but they seem to be doing really well at it. And yeah, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It will be over soon. Yeah, I was there at the um, twelve months ago at the. Oh. Uh, the opening launch party, and it Excellent. was it was wonderful. Look forward to, to getting back. I think it probably in microcosm it um, it's summed up by you know we, we always talk about drink fresh, drink local, and I think it, this is very much a localized sort of thing because you know when we're out allowed out of um, uh, solitary for that one hour a day of exercise, um, you're in community because everyone else is the same. So everyone's in masks, everyone's, you know, well, everyone's saying hello and all that sort of thing. And you realise that when you go back inside, everyone else is doing the same thing. So it's 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 kind of, I guess you don't sort of, you know, if you, if you look at it in that localised, through that localised lens, you don't look at the rest of the country, yeah. you know, getting out on the beers. Um, the you just look boat. at, this yeah. is, you know, we're all in this together, you know, in a, just in a smaller sense. Hey Pete, just one other thing before we uh, before I get let you get to the show notes. <laughs> Listening to Claire's voice um, today, did you know that it wasn't the first time that uh, podcast <laughs> listeners may have heard that voice this week? Uh, nope, you didn't. didn't know that. Oh, but oh. Listeners, go and uh, have a have a <laughs> have, have a listen to the Beer O'Clock podcast, uh, which had uh, Claire as a very special guest this week. Yes, I had a little guest spot talking about COVID and its effect on the beer and drinks media and stuff like that. It was pretty cool. Yeah, the guys are lovely. Well, give it a plug. What's the? I've never heard of the Beer O'Clock podcast. What's that? Beer O'Clock Australia. It's lovely Angus and Dylan. Um, they do. I think. I don't think they're either mainly in brewing. Um, they're just big fans, and they asked if I'd come on the podcast and have a little chat to them about what's been going on and what the general feeling is um, across the country. Because obviously, with us being based in Queensland, there in Victoria. Um, so we had a little chat about that. Yeah, it was lovely. And yeah, thanks guys. Thanks for having me on. And prepare to blush, Pete. She says some nice things about us. Oh, I, yeah, I did actually. <laughs> well, presumably there will be a link in the show notes. There will be a link in the show notes. But anyway, along with a link to all of the stories that we're going to cover, the first of which is Juicebox IPA complaint upheld. Alcohol advertising watchdog ABAC has upheld a complaint against the packaging of Sunshine Coast's Land and Sea Brewery's Juicy IPA. Jeez, juicy IPA, getting into trouble yet again. The ruling highlights the challenges of marketing certain styles of beer which do not necessarily have traditional alcohol descriptors, such as presumably boozy, that a reasonable <laughs> person would understand outside the craft beer fandom. Uh, ABAC has recently upheld a complaint against fixation squish IPA for similar reasons as Land and Seas ruling. So there we go. When will they ever learn? Yeah, and then, look, there's not too much to um, really add to this story other than brewers read it, try and make sense of the, the, the judgments. There is a relative, you know, reasonably consistent body of um, precedent. What really jumped out for me on this one is that Land and Sea basically said um, the reason why they changed the can design because they felt that they were getting lost in the crowd um, at the bottle shops. <laughs> but that doesn't, like, that's the thing. <laughs> it is interesting. Absolutely un- un- understand that that is a, a pressure. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you get to break a, a-, a- back um, advertising no, but it, I mean, just it's to stand under- out. You understand why people end up going down that more extreme route in terms of can design mm. because of the pressures on them. Um, but yeah, as exactly as you say, you've still got to keep in mind a back and things like that. And, and uh, look, a, a little side note, um, just as, while we're loosely under the banner of ABAC uh, th- this week, the Bureau of, uh, what is it, the Alcohol, Tobacco... TTB, that's TTB, what I um, Tobacco, <laughs> yeah, um, uh, 
board um, issued a general warning about making health claims in relation to alcohol. And this um, was over in the US. This was in the US, um, but you know what happens over there is happening over here mm-hmm. by and large. And yep. you know, I, I, it didn't call out any pro- product in specific in um, general, um, but it just sort of talked about making health claims. And yeah. given the topic that we've talked about recently uh, around seltzer being hinted at as being healthier yeah. um, I was wondering whether that might not be something so yeah and ABAX ruled on things being healthy before you remember the probiotic thing from Pyrolive and Impression Gin who said that gin, drinking their yeah. gin was like full of vitamins and yeah. minerals but that was in their own social media posts and mm. that's where as, as we've talked about breweries on their on stuff that they control themselves they're not making those claims they're mm-hmm. not sort of saying our seltzer is healthy for you or healthful or anything like that but they are saying those things in media releases mm-hmm. that then the media are saying, which firstly um, is, is, is the same thing. And secondly, it gives the anti-alcohol brigade, you know, a conspiracy theory that they can, you know, because it's clear that, well, you're not making these claims yourself where you'll get in trouble, but you are saying them where you won't get in trouble, hoping others will repeat it to you. And that's the sort of thing that will um, you know, add ammunition. Yes, uh, agreed. Um, and look, it, would it kill us to, you know, we, it's bad enough that we've stopped making IPAs bitter. Um, <laughs> and, and the other thing too I think we need to realise, um, and there's a nice link coming up, uh, but back in the old days, and um, I say this because at the moment I've, I'm doing a, a little bit of a, an ISO project, which is, uh, long story short, and I'll try to create a bit of a competition for our, our listeners and see if we can find a nice prize. Um, I've been cataloguing I'm not a hoarder. Um, I, am, I, I, do collect, I, I do collect, though. I do collect. And um, oh, I realise that since... I can't get into think, two of my three bedrooms, but I'm not a hoarder. Yeah. That's right. 19, 1998, I think, I started uh, collecting one of each. So every time I have a unique beer, I, I keep the the can, the bottle, or the stubby. Um and so I've start, I thought oh, well, there's just not going to be enough room anymore because there are so many more lines coming out. Um, long story short, I've started uh, photographing, cataloguing them. So, uh, and I thought it might be an interesting thing. I, I, I thought to myself, I wonder, you know, like what number I'm going to get up to because I can. I don't have to physically count them. I just count the number of um, photos in the in the uh, album at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if listeners want to, um, how, how many how many do you reckon? You guys, how many do you reckon I'd have? When did you start? 90s, you said. 1997. Oh, God. Holy sugar. <laughs> um, so it's not every beer. It's just a single, you know, a, a, so if I buy a six-pack and I've never had this beer before, I'll, I'll keep the first one. I reckon. You were doing thinking, un- thinking I would display them at some point. You were doing untapped before untapped was the third Pete. Yeah, he's ahead of the game. <laughs> um, I reckon he's definitely high hundreds. No, I don't I reckon, think it, I'm thinking I reckon, thousands. I reckon like a, I reckon let's say I'm being conservative. Eleven thousand. Uh, I'm I'm gonna Holy go two shit. and a half. I'm gonna 20, go like, twenty years, twenty three years. Yeah. Mm, yeah. All right, yeah, no, I'm gonna stick with mine. So it's a hundred right, well once once I've done and listeners out there, if you'd like to um throw your guess into the oh, mix, yeah. uh, and then when yeah, I've completed them, I'll um I'll I'll give the final number. Because I, I have absolutely no idea. Where are you storing them, Pete? Mm. Or do you just chuck them out? Boxes. It must be a bloody big shed. Do you take a picture and chuck them out, though? Or do you keep them? I built built a mezzanine, specifically. (laughs) (laughs) That's a serious ISO project. Actually, I'll I'll post... God, back when I was editing Beer and Brewer, which would have been in the 
early 2000s, I went and photographed a beer collector's um, collection. And he had a Queenslander which was on Ray's roof and he built in completely underneath. And it was just this rabbit warren. It, it, wow. it felt like you are in the trenches, but everyone was lined with beer cans. So The only beer can I have kept is... Nation's Jedi juice from when they had the Leia one and I got one before they changed the packaging and I love Star Wars and I love the can and I'm going to frame it but it wasn't but it wasn't a riff on Star Wars it wasn't oh no no no, apparently not no (laughs) (laughs) however it was well Pete yeah we can absolutely make a uh, a a, um, prize um, for whoever gets the dinner so I'm going to revise my doubt I'm going to say 1500 ooh 1500 okay right All right then I shall. Uh, well, yeah. Stay tuned. I'll. Um, now, the only problem is that it's a space thing now, obviously. And I'll kick the girls out of the uh, out of the cubby house, um, and I've filled oh. the cubby house as well. <laughs> well, because I needed room to set up the photography area. Uh, so this is starting to sound like something from The Simpsons. Get into the shed. Is it now? Yeah. Yeah. Um, is it now not a cubby house, but it's a stubby house. Hey. Uh, that's right. Hey. This is why we keep him. That's, that's worth a prize. See you guys next week. <laughs> We're having Job such a bad influence. Six pack of Jedi juice, thanks to our good friends at Beer Cartel, going out to uh, to that caller. Um, <laughs> yeah, the problem is now we only get the recycling every two weeks, and um, so I've, I've been knocking on the neighbours' doors. You got a little bit of room, just a couple of bottles, and you. It hasn't come around yet, but the um, if the if the rubbish truck does come around, I'll I'll turn the volume up because you want to hear it. Because <laughs> especially, but going back to '97, there were hardly any apart from mainstream beers. There weren't there weren't bottles. anything in cans. Yeah. It was all all bottles. So it's it's going to be a noisy couple of um, months uh, in the uh, the Pilsner neighbourhood. Um, but the reason that I did bring that up was that it occurs to me that the excuse that you, you using that you know oh, we want to stand out from the crowd. It was so much harder when everyone was in stubbies because you had either a chevron or a um, you know a square label or a rectangle label, maybe a neck tag. But with cans, you've got all of that real estate that really you you you, you could utilise to to stand out from the field without having to resort to, I guess you know big pictures of of, of fruit. But at the same like time, but, uh, whilst you didn't necessarily stand, there there wasn't as much need to stand out because there weren't as many. But beer labeling had an aesthetic so you immediately saw something as a beer bottle um, or as, as a beer because there was just a language in, in in the design and that's what's gone out the window so yeah true th- th- that's why it's very Cause, hard cause fruit juice or soft drink didn't have you know like a chevron uh, label or yeah. uh, or neck tag so you automatically looked at it and thought oh it's alcohol of some sort exactly so that's point, yeah. actually i didn't think of that and there was definitely a style from what the cans I've seen, obviously I was under drinking age back then. Um, but there's a lot, definitely a style to it. Something like, you know, filter brewing. That's got an old school vibe to it. And if you looked at that in a bottle shop, you'd be like, yeah, that's a beer. Even really? if you didn't. I, I think so. I yeah. oh, that, it looks like it. That, that is the beer equivalent of a pack of Winnie Blues tucked under a white yeah. paper <laughs> of an ACDC concert. Blue? But maybe the retro like feel oh, makes right. it look to me like it's a, um, like it's a 70s tab soft drink or something along you know, <laughs> I it, have it, never seen a tab soft drink oh, no. we digress yeah look if you do want to if you do want to stand out from the crowd for your labelling you could do worse than to call our good friends at Rowling's label stickers and packaging and discuss the options with them uh, give them a call 1300 852 235 to find out more particularly if you're using self adhesive labels um, on your bottles and your cans and you think that that's a sustainable solution for your packaging needs it may not be but anyway 
Um, now, Coles invests, uh, Coles Liquor invests in local as revenues rise. Coles Liquor, the owners of Liquorland, reported a rise in revenue as COVID-19 lockdowns, um, a rise in revenue, uh, 100 local supplier additions and a focus on its online presence aided growth. So this is, I guess, on the back of um, BWS doing their Lover Local, Local Lover. Yeah, I mean, uh, they haven't gone promotion. that far. Um, they've tried. They've given it a go. And, and it's, it's, it's working for them. So it, 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 it's been really interesting to see, Pete, and it, it's been something that we've been discussing in the Brewers News offices is COVID has seen the big push for local. Um, you know, people sort of talking about local. We've seen the WA Brewers have their, you know, Drink West, Drink Best campaign. and yeah, We've seen Quarantinis. We've seen Quarantinis and, and all of that. And it's a campaign that has really overtaken independence in in a lot of ways. Um, you know, we, we've had a number of chats with Pete Brown um, about his book, Craft and Independence. Um, you know, independence isn't intangible. Independence isn't something you can touch. It's something that you need to be convinced of its value when you buy a product. Local is something you can see. You can go down and see your local brewery, um, even if it is part of a big multinational chain, of breweries, it is your local brewery. And, you know, whether it's Pirate Life and Pirate Life has just this week opened in Perth, you know. Yeah, it, so it transcends ownership and it tran- issues like Ownership that. Is, a, is, is just removed and it's a, it, it's a concept, whereas local is something that's real. And, you know, anyone who's been keeping an eye on our trademark, you know, as, as we do the monthly trademark um, registrations and uh, applications, they might have seen that Lion has applied for National Local Day as a trademark, um, we've seen you know love your local for BWS. Um, we've seen uh, you know all of these trends and you keeping know, local alive. Keep well, well, but see that that's keeping local alive, which includes things like Tiny Mountain and uh, the, the the big line brands. And I, I think that this is something that the big multinationals will be embracing because. Just as we couldn't keep, um, or just as you know, they couldn't be excluded from this idea of craft, because you're saying, well, you know, this little brewery that's owned by a big multinational is making less than Sierra Nevada, and Sierra Nevada is still a craft brewery. We're making good beer. Why aren't we craft as well? And it's well, yeah, actually, when you put it that way, and local is the same. You know, when you've got a small local brewery, regardless of who it's owned by, um, it is seen as your small local brewery, and so. Local is a term that is inclusive of all business models. And so it actually works for something, it works for the big brewers at a time when independence was the focus that small independent breweries were wanting to put the emphasis on because that was something that the big breweries can't be. And local is an easier sell. So it's just going to be interesting to see how that develops. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, like you say, it's an easier sell and it's also easier for someone like BWS or Coles to get on board with that because then they aren't alienating a huge majority of the beer or the products that they sell because of saying independent versus local. Um, So it just works for them on a different level than independence would I suppose and and local in a lot of ways is a less problematic because local is you, you can sort of see it well they're down the road from me they're local um whereas independent well and they're listed on the stock exchange are they, is that independent you know and it, they're owned by a slightly bigger group even if they're based in Australia does that mean they're independent and and look you, you've got this small independent brewery that's being ranged in BWS and when we talked about the um love 
love your local or local lover campaign with local BWS. Lover, yep. There are a whole lot of comments in the Facebook page about how, you know, isn't this hurting small retailers, small independent retailers? And, you know, if independence matters, why doesn't it matter in every category? Why does it just matter? You know, why have you got brewers that are saying, well, we're independent, um, selling in a non-independent chain, for example? So, yeah, like it, it's a really complicated thing that makes independence a hard sell, whereas, you know, locals down the end yeah. of your street. And that's why someone like Wabba would get involved in that, do you think? Because it makes more sense for them. Well, uh, as we've talked about, the Western Australian brewers, um, you know, they are very removed, um, but they're also a bit defensive about the East Coast and sort of don't want to have an East Coast invasion um, over there. So, you know, supporting their local, um, but of course their local includes locals that are owned by, you know, you've, you've got Feral, um, which is owned by Coca-Cola, which is local and, you know, a, a hugely local brewery in WA. You've got Bevy, which is owned by Line. You've got Little Creatures, which is owned by Line. And you know, they're very, very identified as Western Australia and have been very important in the creation of Western Australian beer culture. Um, but there's, then there's that level of, well, celebrating local there mm-hmm. and not independence um, plays to them as well. W- will it disadvantage the small, you know, air quotes, inverted um, uh, independent breweries? Yeah. We don't know, but it certainly yeah, would be something that the big brewers would be jumping on board. What about you, Jimmy? Yeah, I was just going to say, think? do you think that COVID's kind of almost reinforced this idea of local and kind of this idea of positioning? And we got so locked down to the point where, like we didn't get it in Queensland, but there were points where you couldn't go outside your suburb or you couldn't go further than, you know, you, you're only allowed out an hour a day or whatever. Um kind of almost forcing people to stay local mm. and stay in their sort of um, suburb or neighbourhood. Do you think that's going to um, maybe moving forward in a post-COVID world, whatever that looks like, people will be a lot more aware of their local coffee shop, brewery, whatever? Well, you yeah. value them because you'd hate for them to, to disappear and I guess that's what's driving the the, the, the local, we, we don't want these guys to go away so we'll support them. Whether that sticks yeah. um, will be an interesting yeah, definitely. Especially if we get more localized lockdowns, because over in the UK, they're literally shutting down, you know, districts, towns, and things like that at the minute. And potentially that'll be something that obviously Melbourne's a massive metropolitan area, um, whereas it might end up being much smaller areas in future. And then, as you say, the whole local thing will become even more important. Yeah, and I think particularly when people do get back out into whatever the new normal looks like and if they're walking around their neighbourhoods and realising that that little coffee shop or that little bakery or whatever it might have been, you know, didn't survive COVID um, and then they're, are they then forced to go to a Baker's Delight? Are they forced to go to Starbucks or, you know, whoever did survive? Or, um, you know, do we then make conscious decisions to uh, order coffee in um, and perhaps, you know, make it at home rather rather than compromise your new principles? be interesting to see. Uh, now, next up, uh, speaking of indie beer, indie beer is disadvantaged by targeting purists, say the analysts. So major brewers are growing contemporary beer products and targeting an audience which is disenfranchised by independent craft beer, according to analysis. Uh, the IWSR's latest analysis published earlier this month noted the niche audience and the high price of independent craft beer whilst praising the growth of mainstream brewers in the contemporary category. So this certainly... Um, Generated a lot of interest and a lot of comment in the a Facebook group. A lot of dismissal, I, I thought, Pete. People, <laughs> you know, people who are embedded in craft beer just wanted to go. Of course, they'd say that and dismiss it. And you know, when I read it, like I, I don't think IWSR is necessarily the most insightful 
Um, Which is why I wanted to get Andrea on because I was like, this is an interesting thing, but I don't feel that they're in the best position to discuss the craft side of things, to discuss, you know, the much smaller end. They're they're analysts. They are global analysts. They know Lion. They know CUB much better than they know a local craft industry so that's why I wanted to get um Professor Andre Sammartino from the University of Melbourne on and he gets some really interesting insights into that just as a little counter to, to, to balance it yeah, but at the same time it. like you know if you look at you know I, I, again if you step outside of the craft beer bubble um and maybe if you're under 30 um and I can sort of look at you too when I sort of say that where your friends are a little <laughs> bit more close enough. um <laughs> yeah, like when I look at my friends um they're interested in, oh, you know, beer's changing and there's all of these really exciting new beers. Like, how about this Furfy? It's, isn't it new and different and interesting? <laughs> and you just nod politely and you don't want to be that guy. But they see Furfy as craft beer, you know, even Furfy um, Dry as craft beer. Um, you know, Forex is an old brand. You could stick exactly that you know, Forex Dry lager in a craft beer bottle. And for them, they don't care about the liquid. They want to represent themselves um you know as a contemporary thinking person and so they'll drink the label not not the beer and so you know, i just thought it was interesting and you know I, I think this is one of those um stories that even if you are a craft beer lover adherent ch- uh, supporter all of those sorts of things don't just dismiss you know the don't just read the headline yeah <laughs> Well, I should have put hipsters in the headline. That oh, that would have, yeah. Because <laughs> they did actually say purists and hipsters. You would have also had to put trigger warning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. would have kicked off. Boozy, boozy hipsters and purists. Yeah, <laughs> Matt talked me out of putting a bearded, tattooed man on it. So, yeah, that could have got could have got vicious. <laughs> um, it's interesting that the, because uh, I remember way back when, when we were allowed out, um, and I spoke with, for Beerist Conversation, spoke with um, Bobby Henry, and we at the end of our discussion, talked about um, the the new now was it the Shackles Lager, which is another lager under the James Squire brand. Given that they've already tried Sundown before and then and then dropped that, and then Furphy introducing a crisp lager to complement their refreshing ale um, about sort of what it was saying about the you know almost almost rebranding um, lager to not necessarily to the People wanting to try craft, but but perhaps to the you know reinvigorating the the, the mainstream lager drinkers. So it's a, it's an interesting topic, and it's um, lager will to always outsell IPA because it's you know just like vanilla ice cream. No one says it's their favourite, but it still yeah sells more than because no one but no one dislikes of, it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and you'd be crazy to not make a lager or a pale ale if you're a brewery because you know that's going to sell more than you know you're going to sell four or five times the volume of lager or pale ale than a brown ale or an IPA or a stout, but you just have to offer that high-moving product, Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, and, and it's that old issue too of the, as Dave Benighton calls it, you know, the hero beer versus the horsepower beer. Um, and it's it's great to, to build your brewery on, for in their case, something like Hightail Ale, but that was never going to that, – that was going to get their name in front of people, but they needed steam ale to, to keep the till – ticking over um, and we've seen Moondog, we've seen um, Kaiju, we've seen lots of other breweries who um, started out with the, the big, bold, different, um, confronting, um, you know, uh, disrupting beers. Uh, but then the stuff that allows them to make those is the the 75, 80% of their volume that's the easy drinking 
you know, tropical lager or a tropical pale ale or a, you know, Kolsch-style beer. Mate, Burley Big Head, um, you know, great example there. They're no-carb or low-carb, depending on who you speak to. Mm-hmm. Um, beer, you know, I was, I was in a bottle shop the other day and, you know, just a, like a suburban Brisbane bottle shop and just said, oh, they had a floor display for the um, 4X lager, for, for the 4X dry lager, the new beer. And I said, oh, mate, how's that selling? Because you always ask the guys who are at the bottle shop mm. because they give they you... Know. They know. They, they the know it's face, selling. Yeah. And he goes, they know oh, how many pallets they're having to unload at lunchtime. Yeah, All of that. They know, <laughs> you know what people are asking for and all of that sort of thing. And... Uh, it's the vast. Oh, how's that going? Oh, mate. Yeah, it's not really, not really moving. I was, oh, what, what is Burley Big Head? You know, it's a because it, it's a craft beer, but it's exactly, it's exactly the same as every other beer, but it's a craft beer. And and to our point before, stands out on the shelf because it has got to be the worst label I've ever seen. <laughs> on a beer. Just having a look now. Sorry, sorry, Brendan. Sorry, Peter. But that's a shocker. Oh, but, it's just silver. But it, it is a full-on Barry Crocker. But it's like a, a big head that's like been drawn by a. But it was, Elephant again, man. like it was a beer that I absolutely, a uh, you know, went to, and I had some really great conversations with the sales managers and everything about Billy. So I'm saying, look, you know, this is, you know, because this this was when craft was marking itself as being a rebellion against, um, you know, the, the mainstream and, the, and they were down in the exactly the same um, sandpit. And you're saying, well, what's that saying about craft beer? And, but ultimately, I think that is the beer that, fueled a lot of their growth or made a lot of their other beers possible. And uh, it's it, it's a business. You know, it might be a business of craft beer, but it's a business. Well, while we're in Queensland, uh, our next story, brewers pressure the Queensland government over promised licence. Plans for a new licence which would allow Queensland brewers similar opportunities to the state's winemakers have stalled, with relevant departments appearing to have dropped the ball after a series of ministerial changes. The deadline to introduce new legislation is looming and Queensland brewers are fighting to get the licence pushed forward, having been asked for their opinion on the licences back in January. Uh, so this is all tied up with the, the Queensland craft beer strategy, which was launched back in 2018, to great fanfare after Matt pointed out that perhaps you should um, <laughs> yeah. get some great fanfare. But, um, yeah, it, was, it would have allowed brewers to sell products made off-premise in their own venues and allow them to sell their beer at promotional events such as farmers' markets, along with stricter rules around this and other areas that winemakers do not currently have. Mm-hmm. And, look, it, it, this comes down to the Queensland government has a very glossy strategy. They've created a TAFE course that is going to train people for no jobs um, because they're strangling the craft beer industry by making it so hard for craft brewers to find a route to market and primarily because they're being pressured by uh, the, the Queensland Hotels Association and bars and clubs that the government um, is beholden to them and uh, to jump on my soapbox, you know, love hotels but they are the taxi council um, of the uh, you know, drinks world. They, they're, they're lazy in their government monopoly with bottle shops and, uh, you know, selling takeaway sales. They've grown fat on their pokey revenues and the government loves pokey revenues because the Queensland government gets the revenue from pokies. They get nothing from the sale of alcohol um, except licensing fees. Um, And so the more complicated they make it for craft brewers, the more expensive a licence that uh, craft brewers have to apply for to operate. That money goes in the government's pockets they're going to listen to the bars and clubs, um, to the hotel association and clubs association because they make money out of pokies and so does the government and Queensland uh, craft brewers for all of the talk about how 
Queensland wants to see a vibrant craft brewing industry, they're basically saying you're on your own son mm-hmm. and daughter. <laughs> Whoever. Uh, yeah, How was that for a, that's a good old-fashioned rant, Pete. Yeah, yeah that, was that was nice. Very, yeah, very yeah, comprehensive good. and just... Yeah, hit the nail on the head there, Boom. basically. Is this hashtag throwback Thursday or something? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, basically. Now, the last one, uh, sad to finish on a bit of a downer, but uh, I guess it's indicative of uh, the current situation. But Endeavour records a loss following their equity crowd raise. In its first report to shareholders following its 2018 equity crowdfunding campaign, Endeavour Brewing Co. has reported a half million dollar loss for the 2018-2019 financial year. Crowdfunding documents projected a moderate loss for the year. The result was a significant fall from the um, 130-odd grand profit that they were reporting when it launched its crowdfunding campaign seven months earlier. Um, obviously, COVID would have a little bit to do with it, it I guess. Nothing but, um, to do, it had nothing to do with uh, these results, Pete. Oh, actually, um, no, this is 2018-2019. Yeah. Look, again, so COVID yet to come, presumably. Yeah, well, and happy tenth birthday! They did celebrate their tenth birthday this month. So this month, absolutely. And look, it, it, it's it's one of those interesting ones. Like you don't want to sort of report on anyone else's failings or miseries of itself. No, no, but we've got we've got to show the good with the bad, and you know. But also, all... you know, this was more a crowdfunding story because you know they were the first brewery to launch a crowdfunding. Um, and it's all sunshine and light when you're trying to drum up people to invest in your business and telling everybody that's a prospective investor that you're going to be part of our family. And you know, th- these were actually words that Endeavour used. You're going to be part of the Endeavour family. You're going to have the same class of shares as the founders, all of this sort of stuff. You know, Our multiple is going to be this. Um, this is what the business is going to be doing. And then suddenly when you know they've got the money in, you know, and, and I, I took two shares because I wanted to, you know, participate and see the process and understand what equity crowdfunding is. Um, I got a hat that's mm-hmm. sitting on the shelf over there. Um, and you're on a hilariously a small amount of it's like point not not zero 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 one six seven of the company. But yeah, like so it still like counts. I, I, I knew I wasn't going to make anything, and I'm not losing anything. Um, but it was just interesting to see, you know, mm. for my. You know, being part of the family and for my investment, um, I've had four emails from the company, um, three of them telling me how awesome things were going and how exciting things were. Not once has have they reported back against the promises that they made during the uh, equity credits so of saying, well, here's what we said we're going to do, here's how we're sort of doing that. And even this annual report was released, uh, you know, seven months after the deadline for releasing the annual report. I first contacted them about it uh Four weeks ago, um, and because they'd announced that uh, Ben Coyman, who was the you know very popular, very visible face of the company, um, given one of the other directors lives in the US and the other one uh, lives in Queensland, I believe, um, and Ben was the face of the business, he'd left, and there was no announcement to um, shareholders. So you know, it, it's just one of those things. If you are going to crowdfund. There is a cost. It's not free money. There is a cost to that, and part of that is uh, being open and transparent with the people who uh, who, who invest. Back in the days, Matt, when uh, there was uh, Sydney Beer Week, you and myself and James, I'm pretty sure James was there. Or was there somebody else there? Anyway, we, we visited the, the tap room at the Rocks. Yep. And uh, the thing I recall was it just didn't have an Endeavour feel. It, it, it felt like there were some Endeavour beers inside a nice enough looking sort of um, building, but it wasn't. I think we came away sort of a little bit underwhelmed. It, well, it's it's a fifty percent um, 
share with Applejack Hospitality. So, you know, yeah. I believe Applejack run it and, you know, it, it, it's one of the perils of business. You know, business is tough and, you know, breweries are trying a whole range of different models. And Endeavour's one of those brands that when they first launched, um, you know, they were talking about we're going to be true vintage beer and we're going to make this 4.5% pale ale that uh, I think they did a pale and an amber. It's great drinking now, but it'll really reward being, you know, cellared for three years. And you're going, really? No, uh, right. Yeah, no. You can't. <laughs> and it was a contract. You're you know, thinking about wine. Yeah, yeah, because well, uh, they, they were guys. But the guys that, all came from the wine background and wanted to transfer that concept of vintage. Mm. Whereas it, it, looking back now, you know, it, jumping in the Wayback Machine, do you reckon they would have been better off looking at provenance? So maybe talking about where the grain came from and where the hops came from rather than... Possibly. What year they were growing. Yeah. It, it, it's one of the challenges of, you know, and going back to the thing of local, if you don't have a brewery, you know, because up until the Sydney um, brewery launched, they didn't really have a, a place to, to be a touchstone. So you had three blokes and, you know, they, they had the great old story that everyone's got, oh, three mates and 35 of, you know, three blokes and 35 of our mates sort of invested in this thing and we're going to do something a little bit different, which is the same story that everyone that contract brews has to try and come up with a brand that is engaging and it's really, really hard and, you know, gradually Ben became the, the, the face of it. Ben's just such a likeable guy that, you know, he, he, and he was involved in the IBA, but it's very, very hard to build a brand when your product can be made by anyone anywhere and still have a, a, a story behind it. And, you know, that's where other contract brands like Hawks, for example, you've got Bob Hawks' name, you've got his endorsement. Um, they're giving money to Bob Hawks' charities. They won't tell you how much money they're giving. You know. So annoying. So, yeah, so, so they're trading on the fact that they're a, a, essentially a charitable beer, but you've got no idea how much you're raising. But it still has a story of sorts that, people can buy into you know the the endeavor story never really resonated it, it, it's just an interesting marketing discussion to have be ha- had around that and for me it just highlights the issues with equity crowdfunding as a genre of investing because if this was the asx you have to tell people your annual results you have to tell them anything that could be price sensitive to your share price and there is just none of that in equity crowdfunding it's so opaque so there's so many questions around it that, like, I mean, if you invest, you should, I, I want to say you should just re- do reward crowdfunding because there's not as much responsibility to your investors then. You have to give them the merch or whatever the case may be, but it's so much, it, it feels less, uh, it doesn't have as much gravity as something like equity crowdfunding when you're asking someone to be an owner in a business, basically. And you, you look at the way that the, you look at what's promised with equity and it is you are given shares, you are an owner of the business until you suddenly start asking questions and then... You know, then, then you're like a little minnow when nobody you, you, cares you, about You may it, not yeah. be, yeah. Um, and, you know, it, you did the um, 12 months on looking at some of the equity crowdfundings and you reached out to Endeavour and they didn't get back to you. No. Um, they didn't respond. Obviously, there was stuff going on, but, you know, even breweries, again, like the, the, these are breweries that you want, that, that you love, but, you know, Dainton raised crowdfunding saying, this is what we're going to do. And then you sort of say 12 months later, so how'd you go doing that? Well, actually, we changed our mind and we did this instead. <laughs> and you sort of go, well, did you contact your. You know, owners. Yeah, did you tell anyone about <laughs> yeah. that or not? Well, he did because we asked. <laughs> yeah, because we asked and we pushed it. Mm. Um, and there was also the interesting one, was it Four Brothers in Toowoomba? 
Which and, didn't get the Which money. didn't yeah. go through. And it was actually quite hard to get them on the phone later and be like, what happened? Because nobody wants to talk about a failure. But in the end... Understandably. Did, und- yeah, absolutely understandably. But no the thing call, is... Please, you, please ex- no one call me about my failures. Because <laughs> oh there God, are many. Don't point them out. <laughs> <laughs> However, when you put yourself out there and you say, look, I want to go out for investment and all that kind of stuff, you have to follow through. You can't just say, oh, that didn't finish right I don't care anymore like let's pretend it never happened particularly when equity crowdfunding is all about the hype um, you know it's yes. driven by hype and you know when they they want big announcements you're getting bombarded with media releases when they're equity crowdfunding and mm-hmm. no one wants to pick up the phone when you want to follow up and see so how did it all do yeah exactly and I did end up getting hold of the pledge me CEO at the time and she was reasonably open about it and I think that really helped continue in the continuation of that story and to just tie it off so there wasn't any loose loose ends there wasn't any of this like endeavor stuff six months later finally getting results like people understand and then you can move on Mm. but if you can if you leave it hanging then people start to get more pissed off especially when they realize that they've kind of been fleeced a little bit well i mean have they and that's the thing we don't know but when you know, and I think a lot of people who go into it know that they're just sort of backing something that they believe in or you know, something that they... You know, same reason I go to the... Um, you know, If I go to the races... Mm. Um, you go to the races? No, I don't. Oh. I'm, I'm just sort of telling a story because you know, that would be cruel to horses. Um, <laughs> but you know, like if, if you're betting on a football match, you're much more interested in a football match if you back one of the teams. Um, or even if you don't back... Even if it's your team. Yeah. You care about the outcome You, you more. care about the outcome more. And for, for a lot of people, but you know... That's the thing. When, when it's being sold as an investment, when it's being sold as you are a part owner, then it's not it's not free money. There are you know, responsibilities that come with that as well. Yep. Uh, now, uh, before we jump into the mailbag, I've just noticed uh, we've got one extra story in. Uh, no taking liberty with hazy trend. In an era where brewers feel compelled to double down on the DDH with a new hazy IPA every month, Auckland's Liberty Brewing is happily bucking the trend. Yeah, well, last week, Michael Donaldson wrote the piece looking at you know, the, the, the West Coast IPA challenge and the judges were sort of saying, look, a lot of these beers aren't West Coast IPAs. And we, we sort of had that discussion and, and boy, hasn't that um, been an interesting story to, to, to monitor during the week. And so Michael um, picked up on that and sort of said, uh, you know, Liberty... Um, actually, some of the most interesting parts uh, of this one was um, Liberty had a beer that they called Unfiltered and they mm-hmm. changed... that When they repackaged, they just changed the name to Hazy, changed nothing <laughs> about the beer... And suddenly it became their biggest seller. Oh, that <laughs> tells you so much. Marketing is real. And you can't deny it. You know, everyone everyone who says, I drink for the flavour, I'm sorry, Bullshit. sport. No, Bullshit. you don't. Um, sorry, champ. You, you're just like the rest of us. Um, but <laughs> he said, look, I'm, I'm thinking of doing something along the lines of Stonewood Pacific Ale, and I'm just going to call it a hazy pale ale. <laughs> and I reckon it'll do really, really well. And lo um, and behold. But apart from, uh, apart from a beer that he's always made that was unfiltered and therefore cloudy, and by changing the name to hazy, but they're not jumping on the new beer a week. They've got a core range and they're, they're doing really, really well. So, you know, I sort of thought that was a, just a, a nice little story out of uh, Michael in New Zealand this week. The word hazy is just, that, that is how people ought to be now, is do you have a hazy? <laughs> it's like, yeah, we have a, we have a Hefeweizen, absolutely. <laughs> I, I had to do an article. The um, original hazy. Yeah. yeah. Well, but I was, I was, I was contacted, uh, I, I do some writing for the Vintage Sellers magazine. I, I can't think of what it's called, um, but they asked me to do a story about hazy. And so I went back and said, well, the original hazy was Cooper's 
you know, sparkling ale. You know, you roll it because, you know, cloudy but fine. Um, <laughs> but that, was that, their tagline? that was their tagline. <laughs> cloudy but fine. Um, wow. Low bar there. Yeah. And, and when it pours, it rains. R E I G N S. Actually, that's a fun. It's in the food world, it's you kind of. When McDonald's does something, mm. you kind of know that trend is now dead. Or oh, jumping shark. Shark. <laughs> so it's the jumping shark. So like with McDonald's, it was maybe like pulled pork. Like yeah. everyone was doing pulled pork for 10 years and then all of a sudden there was a pulled pork burger. <laughs> what's what's going to be the equivalent for hazies in the beer world? Is it going to be like a 4X haze or a, you know, who's going to do one and we all go, <laughs> oh, maybe we start filtering our beer again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure when we all had a laugh at Cooper's, it was well, getting there. Well, is it, is it Cooper's has now done a hazy? Cooper's is a hazy. It's like, <laughs> you what? Are you been doing Coopers, this all along? Mind Coopers you. is the McDonald's of the beer. No, like, I, do, I, I don't. I think Cooper's, is, out of anyone in Australia, is more entitled to do a hazy because they've been doing that forever. And <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you. They just haven't labelled it as such. Exactly. I had another can of it last night. I had a can a week ago and I had another can last night and there is something about the hop flavour that is really, like there is just like this mid-palate flavour that comes from the hops. So you think, oh, yeah, actually, th- th- this is really nice. But then the first sip and then the the aftertaste, you're just going, this is Cooper's. You just get this uh, little bit of I've mid-palate. I've heard a lot of mixed reviews. Um, it's got this, yeah, the it's got a chalky mouthfeel and it's just, um, mm. it just doesn't. And you sort of think, well, come on, guys, you did hazy. <laughs> Just put a new label Just on it. Just give me a spark. Call right. Rowlings. I'll, I promise I'll roll the bottle. one 852 Thanks, Pete. Rowlings label stickers and packaging. <laughs> They'll look after it. they got a double. Yeah, that's it. they better send us a cap or something. <laughs> <laughs> before, we, before we do uh, dive elbow deep into the mailbag, Matt, I was going to ask, forget about uh, vintage, forget about the beer, forget about the venue, forget about the price of the shares or whatever. Is it a nice hat? Mate, it's a trucker's cap. It's a yeah, trucker's it's cap. it's a trucker's cap. In fact, I, w- I won't wear it. it, it we, we might even throw that into the prize bucket because... <laughs> <laughs> Piece of history. Have you worn it? It looks a bit worn in. No, I still got the, card- no. No, I still got the cardboard. Um, ah, right. yeah, if you lift up, it's still got yeah. that cardboard the, shape. The brim is pre-folded. Yeah, yeah. Like well, someone's... that's the cardboard shape of because okay. it's a trucker's hat. Time for mailbag. Now, all letter writers will receive a Deb Blue Bakes cookie and go into the draw to win a mixed six-pack, thanks to our good friends at Beer Cartel, who sponsor our letter for the week. Um, I should put down, Matt, are we, do we need to get Deb Blue to redo or do you need to get the, the cutter out to the, um, the cookies because we're going to have to cut out? It's just bruise news now. It always has been. Like, that was the thing. It was, it, it, well, I mean, it, 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 it's been a controversy on the news. internet. Oh, it wasn't a controversy. It's, you know, <laughs> our, our, our good friend uh, James Davidson, um, and actually all of them. Yeah, I'm looking at their cookies. With a big stick. They say Radio Brews News. So oh, they were we're all right then. Safe. But I, I called it Australian Brews News when we first launched because you know it was just like you know a Valkyria Mail or you know the Sydney Age. Um, <laughs> but I realised very quickly that it was always people just called it Brews News, and even the the logo um, when we when we did rebrand a couple of years ago, and our good friend Emery Greer at um, uh, Thirsty Merchants. Thirsty Merchants and uh, Thirsty Demographic Merchants. Designs. Um, when he did the label, like it wasn't, well, I want you to shorten it to Bruce News. It, it just was Bruce News because that's how the, the label looked. So, yeah. uh, And I was posting that story on New Zealand. I thought, it says Australian Bruce News, but the logo says Bruce News. So it was just like a spur-of-the-moment decision. And it was <laughs> when I read um, James on, uh, I thought, oh, gee, I wonder whether... 
what it says on all of the other social medias, and it's still <laughs> the Australian <laughs> Brewers year. So it wasn't part of some, some continuity grand, here. <laughs> yeah, like we, we we didn't sort of have a. Yeah, I was not consulted, so actually, Matt Pete. Just felt yeah, like well, it. I, I'm, I'm now I'm worried that Pete was thinks that he missed the uh, board meeting. That, um, <laughs> the board meeting, <laughs> the three-hour board meeting. Right, we should drop if, us if, really. if you don't have it in that one hour a day that we're allowed out, I'm really not interested. <laughs> Now, subscribe and you can um, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favourite podcasting app. Uh, don't forget, it costs nothing and it does help other beer lovers discover the podcast in much the same way as I've just discovered the Beer O'Clock podcast, which I'll be listening to after I finish recording this. Um, don't forget to review us on iTunes. Um, send us in an email to be in the draw for the letter of the week. And you can also join our Facebook group. Uh, just search Radio Brews News and use the password Soapbox. Uh Jimmy, would you like to read the mail this week? No, he doesn't have a screen. <laughs> oh, you can have mine. I've got to go, go now. Okay. Yeah, I'm off, guys, so thank you for having me. Goodbye. O- off to class. I'm off to class. Go learn stuff. Bye. Well, just throw us a quick boom before you go so we can edit it into the end. <laughs> ed- end. Boom. All right. Nice. <laughs> All right, bye, guys. Well, anyway, Dean McLeod, um, good friend of the program and a, and a terrific bloke. Uh, now, Dean, fun fact for those who don't know, um, was the original brewer at White Rabbit. Uh, when they opened their he Hillsville the brewery, brewery there, the, I believe. The first brewer. Yeah. And, so, well, and sorry, man. People, people should know that because they would have listened to my podcast with him uh, earlier this year. Yeah. So he's over in uh, Canada now. He is. And, and still doing quite well. But anyway, he had some uh, interesting views on the, um, the juice box IPA decision. What did, what did Dean say, um, Jimmy? I'm keen to find out. To stand out from the crowd in a saturated market, how about brewing beers that are different from what everyone else is brewing or consider not opening at all if you don't plan to offer drinkers anything they would seek out? That's, a, that's some old school that's thinking powerful, there, isn't it? <laughs> that's some, yeah. That's, I'll tell you what, he's Dean. He got you with the back of the hand and then yeah, you, were, you were so stunned, he's got you with the palm <laughs> as well on the way back. some pretty solid advice, though, I would yeah, I think there is a lot of a lot of this Me Tooism where oh, everyone's doing hazy, so let's do hazies, and but, then all of a sudden because hazy sell like and and, and it, it's the hardest thing in the world when there is a trend um, not to jump on it because it's 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 easy, um, you know, and there's a proven market for it. You understand the thinking. The hardest thing is to actually sort of say, well, this is what we're about. This is what we're going to do, and try and build an audience for that thing. Um, so look, you know, I, I don't think you can criticize anybody for going down the hazy, but if you're going to make a hazy, make a good hazy, um, and don't just DDH, um, the bejesus out of something because you it's a great way to cover up the fermentation faults and you can't make a basic lager. Too true. And, uh, Shane Jespitzer on the Bruce News Facebook page, re Lickalana, and I suppose it's relevant to, to, to BWS. And I don't know if it was brought up at the time, but, um, you know, with adding all these new, uh, local beers in what products or brands are they dropping to fit all these new ones on the shelves i suppose you could you, you could have fewer of each so rather than having you know a, a, a opening a, a having a full slab on the shelf you i don't know one thing you i just know have a couple of, couple of six packs and make more room or one thing i do know they won't be dropping to make room for all of these local beers is their um uh home brand range is steam rail it's been a long time since i've been into a i don't know that steam rail but they've got tinnies they've got you know they, yeah they, they tried three pub circus i don't know how how any of these are going but they might kill one and then introduce another one yeah yeah but look as i say i guess we've got to look on the the glass half full side of things and say well at least there are perhaps some brands that, that wouldn't have got the opportunity to to get such a um you know exposure 
who now will, even if it's only temporary. <laughs> hey, Pete, I don't know. Look, this just came through. Breaking news. Well, no, it's, it's not really. Um, but it, it's just oh. a nice little laugh at the end of the... Um, it's an email addressed to you, to pete at bruisenews.com.au. So I do not know how this public relations person has gotten your name or your email address because that's not your email address. But somehow this has come through for you. The headline, the number one selling powdered peanut butter in the USA is now available in Australia. Hi, Pete. I hope it all is well with you. Have you heard about PB Fit, this wildly popular peanut butter powder with 87% less fat and a third of the calories of regular PB is now available in Australia? <laughs> they've sent through well, a photo go. that looks like... I can like tell you, I don't, I don't actually eat it, any peanut looked, butter, but if I was <laughs> wanting powdered peanut butter, I would want it to be what it, wild, wildly popular. It's what, is, this a, is it a brew? Is, it, is this for intention to be... No, with or no. is this powder peanut butter? Just okay, right, right. I, I've got no well, idea. Maybe, maybe it's is it designed to be used in, um, like for example, Bad Shepherd to put out a, a peanut butter porter? No, but this that's the thing. I don't is it, know is it why this has come in. This is just bizarre, and it's not because it's related too. You could you could you could get your hazy in the same thing with you know for free. But it's yeah. yeah. This is sorry. It's completely off topic for the podcast, but. Um, this vegan, gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, but not taste-free peanut butter contains three simple ingredients. Gently pressed roasted peanuts, coconut palm sugar, and a grain of salt. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, Jimmy, am I wrong in saying, and I'll post this photo, it looks like a peanut but- butter jar filled with sand. Yeah, that's what it looks like. You can. It's good for, uh, use it for like smoothies. Really? Well, like uh, for baking, yeah, yeah, because it, it's it's yeah. got a lot less like oil in it, so it um, okay, you know, it's presumably it would be easier to distribute through your batter or your mix or your your smoothie. You wouldn't get those or your peanut IPA. There you go. Yeah. This is why they send it to you, <laughs> peanuts Pete, and not new, to me. Peanuts are the new hops. Bizarre. That's it. Well, if yeah. you'd like to forward that on to me, Matt, I shall uh, <laughs> respond to it appropriately. Chuck in an order, Pete. I'll go halves with you. Printing it, I'll print it out, and then so I can rip it up. <laughs> Uh, anyway, look, we must away. That's episode 283. Uh, thank you very much to Cryer Malt, to Relling's Labels, Stickers and Packaging, and to our good friends at Beer Cartel who make all of this possible. Thanks very much, Matt. Thank you, Pete. And uh, thank you, Claire. And thank you, Jimmy. Thank you, Pete. What's on uh, for this week? Because you can tell us, you know, we're down in Victoria. We're not, there's no, you know, living vicariously through our northern neighbours or anything like that. Incidentally, congratulations. This is the yeah. first podcast since Jimmy did his 150-kilometre uh, run, 100-mile yeah. run. Yeah. And I and I got a job. It's been all big news. Well, on that's my yeah, actually, that's the other thing. He's working, so yeah, he's, yeah. Um, I've got things. to yeah, do Yeah, we did now. mention that. I remember we, we did mention that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just Down working. Balance. I'm working. Uh, I'm working tonight and uh, for the rest of the week. That's Excellent. Right. Any runs planned? Uh, just been slowly getting back into it. Just nothing too crazy yet. <laughs> uh, good to hear. Yes. Good luck with it. And uh, lastly, as I always do, thank you very much to all of you for listening and for supporting this. Um, so don't forget to engage with us on the, either the, the Bruise News Facebook page or the Radio Bruise News Facebook page and uh, let us know what you think of the uh, issues that are confronting the beer world. Uh, but until next week, drink fresh, drink local and wash your damn hands. Look after each other. See you next week. And we're out. Boom. Boom. <laughs>
Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show, either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of Australian craft beer. When Brews News cast and crew are buying online, we buy at Beer Cartel. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because beer is a conversation. <laughs>